the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Time for Grace to the Bay with Dr. Roger Chen. Dr. Chen is the pastor at Grace Church of the Bay Area, a church committed to glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ through verse-by-verse expository preaching to learn exactly what God has revealed in His Word. Now, here's Dr. Chen with today's message. You are, my friends, blessed. This morning and next week, I want to give you a study that gives us the truth behind blessing. And it all starts with the fact that true blessing, any blessing, is an act of grace. But don't take my word for it. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 4-9. through The Apostle Paul continues his greeting in this letter to the church at Corinth. And he says in verse 4 and following, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given you in Christ Jesus, that in everything you are enriched in Him, in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony concerning Christ was confirmed in you, so that you are not lacking in any gift, awaiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end, blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, through whom you were called into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ. Our Lord. Over the next two weeks, I want to give you our outline as eight realities. Eight realities of the grace bestowed upon believers. The first reality of the grace bestowed upon believers is the source of blessing. The source of blessing. We move on and see this further in our second reality of the grace bestowed upon believers, and that is the depth of blessing. The depth of blessing. In the first part of verse 5, we read that in everything you were enriched in Him. Paul goes on to explain the fullness of grace that all believers have received. The word everything here in the Greek means everything. In everything you were enriched in Him. The Greek word literally is all or every. Everything. All that we need, God has given us, and it is a blessing. All that we have, God has given, and it is a blessing. And in every aspect, Paul says, the Corinthians and all believers are enriched in Him. That word enriched literally means to make rich or exceedingly rich. In other words, it's not just average. It's not just getting by. It's wealth. And this makes a a clear distinction between who the Corinthians and we were before salvation and who we all are today. Once spiritually poor, destitute, and bankrupt, we are now in Christ because of His grace, because of His blessing, not just getting by, but we are spiritual millionaires in everything. In everything. 
Ephesians 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Colossians 2.9 and 10 For in Him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form and in Him you have been made complete. Not partial. Not 99.9. You have been made complete and He is the head over all rule and authority and godliness. Everything. This is talking about spiritual needs. We have everything we need spiritually. This is, this is not a, a point in your life where if there's a sin that you just can't overcome, there's a sin you cannot repent of, it's not because you're missing something. It's not because uh, if you give more to the church, then the Holy Spirit will help you. Well, you haven't hit your 10-year anniversary mark of a, as a believer yet because then you'll be able to overcome that. No, you have everything you need spiritually to overcome that sin, to repent, to turn to Him, to grow. And although the context in our passage, as well as the references we just looked at, refer to spiritual needs, I want to make mention of physical needs. We know from the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus promises that all our physical needs will be met as well. You say, well, that doesn't seem like it. All our physical needs, not wants, needs. But that's only true as secondary to our spiritual needs. Your greatest spiritual needs is forgiveness of sin, which is justification at the moment of salvation and continue forgiveness as you sin as a believer. Second to that, God promises to meet all of our needs for those who are in Him. One, spiritual, is the foundation for the other, physical. In other words, because of His grace and our spiritual needs, including salvation, we are locked into His promises for physical provision. The problem comes, and when I say problem, I'm saying doubt, a discontent, questioning if he's really doing this. The problem comes when we are spiritually filled, as he has said we are, spiritually provided for, spiritually enriched, and that's still not enough. Because we want to have all of those, but substitute the word spiritually with physically. We want to be physically enriched, physically filled, materially provided for. All our wildest dreams we want. And the, un- the underlying problem there is that you are not content with what truly matters. You're not content with having everything you need spiritually. We're not satisfied with being spiritually wealthy because we want to be physically wealthy. We want more money. More, 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 more. You can't really ask for more, 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 more spiritually because He's already given you everything. More spiritual growth, more repentance, sure. But that's really up to you and your reliance on God as you work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And maybe that's it. Maybe we've become so used to the Gospel. Maybe we've become so comfortable with the fact that we have been given every spiritual blessing that we're just kind of, it's not special anymore. We, we just have it. 
Right? I, I know I overuse this illustration, but it's like that new, that, that new car you get. Right? No food in the car. Sorry. Finish your hamburger outside. Right? Waxing it, cleaning it, buying, going online and buying all your waxes and things like that. Parking super far away, walking in the rain because you don't want anyone to ding it. Then what happens five years later? You walk in that guy's car and you're like, what happened? Did a McDonald's explode in here? There's wrappers. There's a French fry under the mat. There's all these dings and scratches. It's a different color because he hasn't washed it in a year. We get used to good things, including our salvation, including the gospel, including the fact that we are spiritually rich. And so we look for fulfillment elsewhere. And when you're not content with what truly matters, your entire life will miss the point of this life, which is found in our third reality of grace, the mission of blessing. The mission of blessing. Paul writes that in everything you were enriched in Him, still holds true everything, but then he goes on to mention two specific ways we are enriched in all speech and all knowledge. Yes, all believers, Corinthians and Californians included, are enriched in all things, but there are two specific spiritual gifts that Paul mentions because they are two spiritual gifts that are so wonderful so divine, so gracious, because they allow us to fulfill our mission on earth, which is not to earn more money, not to have a bigger house or a new car. Our mission on earth is to understand and to proclaim His Word. Speech here is the articulation of the Gospel. It's the telling of God's truth. And this, as Paul says, is something all believers have. The ability to speak for God. It is not reserved for some Christians, but given to all Christians. Knowledge is the ability to apprehend that truth. To grasp it. It's not that we understand and know everything about God and understand every nuance of His Word and and, and no longer need commentaries or sermons. But we are given enough understanding and knowledge to speak effectively for the Lord as His representative. That may mean in that conversation, that evangelistic conversation, you will not have every answer that they ask you. They may point to verses they've heard before and you like, I'm not sure, let me get back to you. But you can tell them how they can be saved. And if you are a Christian here this morning and say, no, 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 I can't. Yes, you can, because you're a Christian. If you're a Christian, you know the Gospel. That's how you are saved. Arguing about Trump will not save someone. Convincing someone not to have an abortion will not save someone. You will save a life. Very good. But both of those people are still destined for hell. Convincing someone that homosexuality is not in their DNA does not save someone. There are plenty of unbelievers Plenty of political Republicans that believe these things and yet shake their fist at God. It is only the Gospel that saves. And this, and much more as believers, you understand and can present to the world and to the church to edify and encourage them. We're given enough understanding and knowledge to speak effectively for the Lord as His representative. And these two gifts, speech and knowledge, which you could call blessings or manifestations of God's grace, 
are general. So they can't be restricted to a specific type of speech, specifically, or knowledge. In other words, though the Corinthians, and we'll see this later in the book, were struggling with using the sign gifts, such as speaking in tongues and prophecy, in an abusive way, which again, Paul will address later. Here, Paul is speaking more generally. He's not only speaking of the gift of tongues or the word of knowledge. So speech would include any form of expressing the saving message of Jesus Christ. Both practical and theoretical, devotional, apologetic. Whether you're just sharing the gospel with the guy at the bus stop or pastors preaching, instructing, teaching, or even admonition, encouragement. This is all falls under speech. Knowledge, again, would be the knowledge necessary for whatever form of speech you may be exhibiting or practicing as you tell people God's truth. Regardless of what type of speech, including sign gifts for the Corinthians and the early church, this reminder of God's grace enriching us through these gifts is significant by telling us that speech and knowledge are key aspects of how God enriches us through His grace. And so we need to keep a few things in mind. I don't mean to beat a dead horse, but do you get what I'm saying here? God's grace is seen in so much. And yet in all of those millions of things, even if you boil it down to a couple dozen things theologically and doctrinally, Paul mentions two. Speech and knowledge. And because of this emphasis, there are three things we need to keep in mind. First of all, don't abuse the gifts. And I say this from the context of 1 Corinthians. They were abusing the gifts. And there's two main ways you can abuse the gifts. One is within the church. See, the Corinthians were abusing their gifts within the church by practicing them, which... You should do, but they were doing it in a way that it was a source or they were a source of self-aggrandizement, self-promotion. When you do that, you naturally put others down because the idea is, look how well I speak. Look how much theology I know compared to you. That's kind of the what was going on there. Becoming know-it-alls or even misapplying the knowledge in a way that hurts weaker believers' conscience. This is the complete opposite of what God calls the church to do, which is to build up the church, to build one another up. Another way you can abuse these gifts is outside of the church. In other words, using these skills to pursue things that are not about the glory of God. You see, like your education, the skills and knowledge you obtained in school are not only effective in your field, at your job, What you learn can be used outside of work. And in the same way, we can use our gift of speech and knowledge for purposes contrary to what God intended them for. God has blessed you in your understanding of Scripture. You can use that to judge or demean unbelievers or followers of other religions, especially Christian cults. Rather than graciously encouraging them to repent, you knock them down and mock them. We can use these gifts to pursue wealth and worldliness to the detriment of evangelism and edifying the saints. These hedge fund managers that are now in prison, where do you think they learned how to siphon all of that money? 
the same principles they learned in school and in their vocation. It's using something that they've learned for bad instead of good. So firstly, when thinking of the importance of God's grace embodied in speech and knowledge, we must remember, don't abuse the gifts. A second thing to keep in mind is that we are to practice these gifts. If they are so highlighted by Paul in all of this context, in the midst of talking about grace in general, spiritual enrichment, even in, in the midst of these gifts were the were one of the main sources of, of the difficulties that he was facing because of the Corinthians, he still highlights them as good. We need to remember that we need to practice these gifts. We have all been given these gifts. You say, what do you mean I need to practice these gifts? I mean you need to share the Gospel. And I mean you need to share the Gospel to a level of priority above how am I going to feed my kids and pay my bills and get this promotion. Those are means to an end, you understand. God wants you to work. There's a whole theology of work that starts all the way in Genesis, in the Garden of Eden. It is good. It is right. It is good to make sure that your kids are nourished and clothed and educated. It is good not to owe money and have your lights shut off and your heat turned off to pay your bills, in other words. But all of these things are temporary so that in this world system that is based on money and in our country, capitalism, That is a means to an end. And the end is to glorify God. The end is not just so we can survive until His second coming. The end is not just so we can enjoy all of our toys and our technology and our vacations. It is so that we can survive and be content and be healthy and educated so that we can preach the Gospel, so that we can encourage the saints so that we can live out in this sinful world that which is of the eternal kingdom. You've heard me say it before. I have no problem if you want to go on vacation. I have no problem if you want to buy a Mercedes. I don't know your situation. I'm okay if you want to buy a Lamborghini. But are you pursuing these things to the detriment of what really matters? Is that your life's goal? To just provide. That's one way to glorify God. To provide, to be healthy, to take care of your body. But you got to understand that we need to practice these gifts that God has given us. And our priorities sometimes are really skewed. And so thirdly, Remember to remember your mission. And again, look at the big picture. There's so many things that Paul could have mentioned as a primary ways in which we are spiritually enriched, but he picks these two because they make up the greatest blessing and privilege that you can have post-salvation, which is to speak for Christ. I mean, how excited were you when out of thousands of employees, you were the one picked to represent your company? You were the one, I lived in LA, so maybe this doesn't resonate with you, but of all the people who wanted to do that, you were the one to be chosen to be the personal assistant 
of Tom Cruise or Mel Gibson or one of these celebrities. And these people are like blown away. I get to pick up Tom Cruise's underwear from the dry cleaner. <laughs> and you know what? Everyone's like, whoa, you hang out with Tom Cruise? Yeah, I'm his personal assistant representing Tom Cruise. And yet when it comes to Jesus Christ, yeah, 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 I go to church. But hey, uh, how's work? We change the subject. We are, we're, we're, more, we're more proud of our title. We're more proud of our education, our diploma, who hired us, where we're moving, where we're going for a vacation. Look, it, it's good to praise God for those things and to share Christ through those things, but share Christ through those things. And this connects back to what we were saying before about the dangers of focusing too much on pursuing physical or material enrichment. When you do that, you lose focus not only on what should be a priority over worldly pursuits, but you also lose sight of the fact that these are such a priority for God, spiritual pursuits, that He's already given you all the tools you need. Do you get that? How important is it to God that we proclaim His truth? So much so that He's already given you the entire arsenal, the full tool belt of what you need to do that, to accomplish that. You want that $2 million house? You're going to be keep what, you know, I'm going to keep working, got to keep working. This is hard. I got, I need it. I got to get it. I need it. I got to work hard. I got to finagle my way into the president's office and do this with the manager and do that. Well, are you evangelizing? Oh, it's so hard. I don't know. And yet you already have all the tools. Your tool belt is full, complete. You go to Home Depot, there's nothing left to buy. You have it all. This is how important it is to God. And this is how easy it is or should be for us to represent Christ. Well, we've seen three of the four we're going to look at this morning. The source of blessing, the depth of blessing, the mission of blessing. And finally, for today, the confirmation of blessing. And we'll look at the last four next week. Verse 6 says, even as the testimony concerning Christ was confirmed in you. That word even, even as, explains what precedes this verse. So it explains how and why the grace of God has been bestowed upon believers. And the reason is simply because we are believers. See, the testimony he is talking about here, that word testimony, refers to the gospel itself. It's not the behavior of Paul. He's talking about the gospel. And confirmed means settled, made steadfast and solid. You put this all together. What Paul is saying is that everything we looked at thus far occurred when the Corinthians trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So when a person accepts God's offer in faith through, as Paul writes elsewhere, confessing with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believing in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, then grace becomes operative in that person's life at the moment of salvation. The moment you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior truly, the floodgates of blessing are open. So not only are they changed in regards to their eternal destination, not only are they changed in their status before God from enemy to friend, but their daily living for the rest of their days on earth 
becomes one of grace and blessing, which as we've seen, is fuel for living for Christ. And this really brings us full circle to what we saw as our first point in that God is the source of grace. We've seen how all of that grace and blessing relates to our salvation in that we are not just given great things, but our whole perspective on life and how to use those blessings is changed. From self-focused to God-focused. From material and worldly to heavenly. From temporal riches to eternal reward. And so again, I say what I said in the beginning. Dear beloved, you are blessed. But don't forget why you are blessed. Don't forget how you are blessed. Don't forget the purpose of that blessing. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given you in Christ Jesus, that in everything you are enriched in Him, in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony concerning Christ was confirmed in you. Four of the eight realities of the grace bestowed upon believers the source of blessing, God, the depth of blessing, all spiritual needs are met, the mission of blessing, God's grace is embodied in understanding and proclaiming the truth, and the confirmation of blessing, which was your salvation. This has been Grace to the Bay with Dr. Roger Chen. Grace to the Bay is the radio ministry of Grace Church of the Bay Area, practicing and proclaiming the purity of biblical truth. You're invited to join them for worship service in Burlingame, Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit the website gracebayarea.org for directions and other information, or to view a live stream of the service. As a listener-supported program, we ask that you consider making a tax-deductible donation so that we can continue to share Pastor Roger's teaching with you each week. Donations can be made through our website, kfax.com.